This is Nikki Toyama-Sito, the Executive Director of Christians for Social Action, and your host for this episode of 20-Minute Takes. On this episode, we continue the conversation with Nishan Demel. He's the CEO of Verite Research, based in Sri Lanka, and he shares with us some of his insights about what it means to be a Christian witness and engage with politics. I don't think we can wipe ourselves clean of our biases. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. There is no instrument uh, or, or, or technology to do that. Uh, but people must see ourselves as trying as much as we can uh, to be open and, and say things in the way they are uh, without it being self-serving, merely self-serving, right? So I think, I mean, take my own think tank, Verity Research in Sri Lanka, uh, one of the things that has happened providentially is that people have learned to repose a lot of trust in us. Okay. I get a lot of, um, a lot of requests from the private sector in Sri Lanka to do research or analysis that, that is basically playing to the interests of propaganda or manipulation, mm-hmm. where mm-hmm. they say, can you give us research that shows this? Ah, right. This is what the argument we would like to further. That's right. Do you and, have and, research and can you, that can you can you put together the numbers and the analysis that? Do yes, that? yes. So I have to gently and you know uh, quietly say, look, we don't do that. Mm. Uh, you can tell us your problem. We can tell you what we think the solution is, and we can actually take that solution to the larger society. But we can't, you know, predetermine what we are going to find or think. Uh, prior mm-hmm. to doing the research, and our research is certainly not tailored to do that. They will say, no, no, we think this is the solution, and all we are coming to do is to get that from you. And I say, in that case, why don't you go to McKinsey or PwC? Uh, you know, those, there are places that do that. Uh, but uh, I'm, I'm not accusing them of anything, but I'm saying we are not that kind of consultancy, right? We are a think mm-hmm. tank. And then the response I get is quite surprising. They say, but people trust you. <laughs> and if you say it, it'll be believed. <laughs> and, and I have to quietly think to myself precisely why <laughs> I can't help There's you. There's a reason that they trust you. <laughs> That's right. So, so trust can't be for sale, but it is, of course, very dangerous, right? Yes. Uh, a lot of, instru- you know, what you call influencers in social media. And that's a very corrupting concept, I think. It's the idea that people will win your trust and affection through other things they do and then sell it to advertisers Yes, in yes, some way yeah. to manipulate your behavior. And the very fact that we can have that uncritically thought of as a fashionable, nice thing to do, I think Christians not only need to embody uh, being able to be sources of integrity and trust, uh, but also need to give critical reflection to how society has lost uh, its own ethical moorings in a way uh, uh, yes. in how it does yeah. advertising, how it how it promotes social media behavior, and learn to treat these behaviors as somehow okay or normal and by by normal individuals. So these are not even companies now. Yes, you know, individuals right. using their talents and gifts to gain audiences, and then being able to secretly, in a way, market that audience. 
Yes. I mean, just to, you know, we say about media and media is often free, right? You don't pay or you pay for films and things, but there are a lot of media news that you receive free. And the famous, uh, you know, understanding in this is when you are consuming something free, uh, you know, you are the commodity. Mm. You know, many, if you don't pay for the product, then then you are the product. You are the product, right? So yes. when when newspapers, we think that you're buying a newspaper, but actually the newspaper is selling you to the advertiser, right? Uh, or that that, that that dual relationship exists. So it's one thing for organizations to be doing that, and maybe we can train and teach people to recognize that that is the transaction. Uh, this is not you paying for news, but the news paying for your attention to the to yes. those advertising, perhaps. Uh, but I think we can. Uh, but it's quite corrupting that at the individual level, uh, people will begin to do that also to use their influence and their the, the trust that they have with their community. Uh, and put it up for sale, mm-hmm. right? So, yes. but I think we need to reflect Chris, as Christians um, also on this, uh, on the unthinking way in which people may be embracing behaviors that are corrupting of trust and community in our world. That That is a really great word. And I think it's a really great posture uh, that you're giving us uh, for Christians to think about how they're showing up in the world, which things we participate in on. Uh, and which ones we sort of stand prophetically against. Yeah. Uh, um, you do also a lot of work um, around uh, this sp- this question of what is the role of Christian in the public sphere, if, of Christian engagement, and I'd say uh, in, of Christian engagement with politics. And I'll say in the North American context, um, there is becoming a, quite a muddying effect of um, uh, religious engagement in politics. And I think some people are asking some questions of uh, what what is the role of the church um, and and posture, uh, but also where are some of the slippery slopes as it relates to power? Um, what advice do you have uh, for folks who um, have some vision of what it means to have Christian faithfulness as they engage with politics? Uh, I think... You know, maybe the way to engage with that question is looking at different models in which okay. um, the church relates to the state. Okay. Okay. Uh, again, this, these reflections I've written up, but they are also not entirely my own. There's a whole literature on Christianity and politics. Yes. Uh, I think that is worth uh, looking at and thinking about. Uh, but I'll kind of, you know, without quoting theologians, I'll just reflect back on the thinking that exists that I, I, I myself subscribe to. You know, if you if you break it up into first two models, uh, I'll contrast them. One, of course, you're familiar with the monastic model yes. that says we must retreat from the world as much as possible, yes. uh, get away to the maximum extent possible and create an enclave that is Christian and different mm-hmm. and distinguish ourselves from the world uh, and its mm-hmm. corruptive influences. So you kind of uh, see the world as, as problematic and, and try to uh, establish your own pool uh, of purity somewhere outside the world, right? Uh, again, I want to be clear that, you know, it's not fair to teach, think of everybody in the monastic world that way. There's great good that has come to society through the Catholic institutions uh, and church, but I'm just using this as a way of, oh, as a sure. metaphor, right? 
uh, or Anabaptist, or Mennonites, <laughs> yes. right? Yes, Folks yes. who who are choosing yes. their faithfulness is deploying outside yeah. of the system. The yeah. other extreme is Christendom, where the church tries to take over the state. Mm-hmm. Right, and the church would like to become the state. You see a little bit of that yes. temptation in the United States, where you want your president to be Christian. You want your president right. to actually have yes. the same theological views that you do. You want him to try and take control and power over the state and bring it to the values of Christianity, whether it be on abortion or anything else. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, so there's the, the the Christendom is the opposite extreme, and and in a sense, since Constantinople. Uh, you've had these two things going on, okay? Uh, but I think the dominant form outside of, say, h- hugely Christian countries um, and even within them uh, increasingly is something in the middle okay. uh, where the church takes a live and let live kind of relationship to the state. So it doesn't completely run away. Mm-hmm. Uh, it locates itself well within the normal activities of the state, but its dealings with the state are fairly logistical. Uh, okay. You know, we need electricity, water, we need uh, to buy property, we need to do transactions in the market. Uh, but basically, the church, is, the church locates itself with, well within the state, not outside. Okay, uh, Doesn't try to take over the state, but thinks its job is to rescue people into the church from, you know, from secular life uh, and kind of direct them towards heaven. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and sees the state as simply uh, a, a transactional necessity and and requirement, um, but doesn't see itself either embracing or rejecting the state, right? Okay. Fully, mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. as involved in a parallel process. So you leave mm-hmm. politics to the state, and your job uh, is doing um, is getting people to God. If you watch this famous film Romero about the bishop. Mm-hmm. Uh, Romero, mm-hmm. uh, you yes. see that be, the state himself coming and confronting him uh, with this and saying, hey, aren't you in the wrong job when you start commenting and engaging with politics? Your Stay job in your is lane. To, yeah, exactly, <laughs> yes. exactly. Your job is to get people into heaven and pray for them, yes. right? You're, yeah. you're, you're trespassing uh, effectively. So I think, you know, both all three of those models for me are inadequate expressions. Uh, of how Christianity engages. I think um, the the vision I have uh, from the Bible and the way it portrays uh, Christianity is that we can't run away from uh, the politics of our world, but neither mm-hmm. must we try to control the, that politics. Okay. We change uh-huh. the politics by becoming, in a sense, uh, a nation within a nation. Mm. So Christians must not live as part of simply civil society. So the so in this third model that I said, Christians participate in the questions of justice, of alleviating poverty, but on equal terms as every other civil society group. So you're negotiating uh, with all the different views, the pluralism okay. that exists, to try yes. and find some middle ground, which mm-hmm. then becomes you know quite uh, it's simply one voice amongst the others. Right. Yes. I think Christians right. can be a lot more powerful than that. Okay. And the idea is not simply to be one voice amongst the others, but to but to become a, a model of community life, of of even national life, mm-hmm. that then draws everyone into what you're doing to subvert okay. that 
thing. So uh, one theologian used a great metaphor in, in putting this up. Uh, it's, it's as if, you know, in the uh, imagine a Shakespearean drama or something that's getting played out on stage, uh, Christians don't, uh, you know, uh, simply represent the, either the audience or the actors. Mm-hmm. Right, actors would be Christendom of sorts. The audience is kind of, you know, on a side, uh, but they are kind of new characters that enter this play and change the way that the, the story goes. Mm. Right, they they enter the play outside the standard script. Uh, they are not just in the audience, but by them interacting with the characters of the play, the play now takes a different direction. Mm. So I think we have to learn without giving into the temptations of Christendom mm-hmm. or the temptations of monasticity, of separation, mm-hmm. uh, how to engage into this drama uh, mm. and shape that drama, shape, the, shape, the, shape our national lives. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. Because I think the temptation is either to do that through embracing power or through retreating. Yes. And I'm saying, yeah. or just sitting in the middle and then kind of, contributing your voice in some way and thinking that it is just uh, simply influence. I'm saying, no, it is not simply that civil society type of role uh, that Christians play. It's a much more transformative revolutionary role of interfering without power. Yes. Interfering without power. I love that. So it sounds like part of what you're trying to say is it's not in that middle example that it's not just that Christians have their own interests and they rally for their own cause in the same way that they are one among many. Yeah. But is there a spacious hospitality that Christians might have and and that they're engaging in somehow a way that's somewhat catalytic? Yes. Um, can you say more? Do, is there an example of what that looks like? Because I know, I think in concept, what you're describing sounds very provocative. And I th- also think maybe people's experience of Christians who've engaged in politics has not been uh one where folks have felt uh safe that a wide variety of interests are or, or or that they change it for good um do you have any thoughts or examples that sort of stir your imagination of what that might look like yeah so i i mean i think in the best examples of the church um that's what it has done Mm-hmm. Right. Um, so I used. So I'll stay with an example I used earlier when we talk about Romero. That he he gathered the church in the public square uh, in a statement of you know concern and question to what the government of his day were doing. Mm-hmm. Uh, now these become public actions. They are not just church actions, yes, but neither are right. they state actions. Right, so when Christians, the gathering of Christians is enormously powerful, mm-hmm. uh, and this is the power of the Christian Church, right? That we are not only a local church, but we are a global church. Ah, we yes, influence yes, yes. not only within uh, our state, and we are not as a civil society. You're subservient. You're within a state structure. You're yes. within your political community, but Christians are a transnational community. That's right. Uh-huh. And we, I mean, in a way, one way to think about it is, you know, can we function like the United Nations? Hmm. United Nations, every country is a member of the United Nations, but the United Nations is not contained within a country. Mm-hmm. So the model for this is to, for, and this is not individual Christians, we have to think of in community, we have to think of the global church and, not, mm-hmm. and to think of our local church as part of the greater church. 
mm-hmm. and say, can mm-hmm. we form the sort of community that sets the standards for the world, that sets the standards for our nation, uh, and inspires those standards? So I think the, we are not. So that that's the difference, right? So suddenly you become uh, become a nation that becomes the light on the hill. Mm-hmm. Right. So Christians mm-hmm. can start, you know, designing ways of, you know, community living, building houses, uh, of what you do in media or jobs or what you do in politics, that is at visible and contrasting uh, in mm-hmm. a way that it starts influencing and changing what the world sees as right and proper and acceptable. So whatever field you're in, whether yes. you're in media, whether you're in law, or whether you're in research. Uh, I think Christians uh, should be not simply operating on an individual level. And that, that's a deficiency I find in my own work that I can't, I don't see how the church is adequately involved in what I'm doing because they appreciate what I'm doing, but the church thinks its job is different. Ah, uh, yes. Uh-huh. Right. Uh-huh. Um, and, um, and, and doesn't really engage with the life you have outside your Sunday service. Yes. Except if it is a Christian mission or something specifically Christian. But yes. not recognizing that our lives in, in, its, in their entirety are very much a part of the life of the church in the world. Yes. yes. Right? And I think for that, we can't do it either as individuals or as even a single church alone. We have yes. to be willing to form that kind of... So United Nations may be a way to talk about it, right? Yes. Does the church see itself as the United Nations? And I think to some extent, the Catholic church is a little more in that direction. Mm, uh, successful mm-hmm. in that direction than the Protestant church, which remains far too divided. So unity and community are so critical, I yes. think, for the the, the expected uh, Christian influence in the world. Yes, I love I love that that even this invitation to the local church mm-hmm. to recognize its uh, its interdependency mm-hmm. with a global church. This invitation to live out our Christian faithfulness in unusual and slightly prophetic ways even if it's outside of kind of the what people might normally think of as as the normative work of the church or, or and embrace life. the lives that uh, you know the congregation lives um, on the other six days of the week yes no absolutely absolutely i think that's such a helpful uh word for us uh, especially in the north american context it's a lot of uh, faith being a very private and personal thing yeah. And uh, what I hear you saying is this real invitation of um, what is what does that Christian faithfulness look like in, in new and surprising spaces and venues? That's fantastic. Um, as we're as we're wrapping this up, Nishan, is there anything that you think uh, as, as you've been traveling around the U.S. Um, any observations that you have of like, oh, I see this, and just as a friend, uh, as part of the global church. I want you all to notice this. Well, I, I think that um, one of the interesting things about the U.S. In, in anthropological, sociological history, we always talk about ethnic divide and religious divide. Yes. Uh-huh. And divisiveness. Uh, and the U.S. is, um, I think, quite uh, surprisingly divided, but not mm-hmm. on ethnic and religious terms per se. Okay. But even on political terms, so I think oh, whether you're yes. Republican or Democrat seems to matter enormously in the formation yes. of identity yes. Uh, yes. and your ability to listen, hear, discuss, um, and 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 the way people think who they are. Yes. 
Um, so I think, uh, you know, maybe this is important to recognize because often we blame religion uh, or mm. ethnicity for divisions. But the capacity mm-hmm. to divide, I think, uh, runs, you know, across and finds whatever means there are uh, <laughs> in identity formation that's important. And I think maybe one thing to think through, I, I mean, there are lots of things to think through, but just reflecting um, uh, on something uh, particular. Uh, that there's a tendency in in divided situations to think of those who disagree with you as bad people, mm-hmm. uh, which I see a lot in the US, right? Yes. And they, they call it cancel culture and certain terms have evolved. Uh, but where when somebody doesn't see it your way because you feel so confident that your way is the moral way or the right way uh, yes. to see that other person as bad. But I think that, that temptation is undergirded by a loss of thought hmm. um, and the capacity for reason. Hmm. Um, and one of the things I think, uh, you know, where Verite tries to, my own organization distinguishes itself from civil society, it says that, you know, when we get involved in debates, we say, look, we are not positional. Hmm. We are not saying this is right or that is wrong in mm-hmm. a positional way. Uh, Mm -hmm. We want to engage on the question of reasonable. So we want to provide the reasons why we think this would be right or why the Mm -hmm. reasons why we think it's wrong. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. we focus on the reasons rather than the position. Interesting. Yeah. And I think being able to confront each other with our reasons Mm. is so much more uh, potentially of value uh, than to simply confront each other with our position. Hmm. And it can build, uh, you know, a kind of human, uh, this, the, the, it, it plays to, I think, fundamentally important aspect of our humanness that we are built for being, you know, come, let us reason together, says the Lord. Uh, yes, we are yes. built for reason. Yes. And the capacity for reason. And perhaps this is, uh, this is also part of, you know, our calling uh, to, to be able to engage that way and to form and shape the world with reason. Mm. Uh, it is, uh, you know, uh, pr- uh, Thomas Scanlon, one of my professors at Harvard uh, Philosophy, wrote this, uh, you know, impressive book called What We Owe to Each Other. Mm. And he reflected that perhaps what you owe to each other more than anything else is reason. Mm. Um, and, uh, and I think just reflecting in the United States and seeing the enormous positional divides between yes. political parties, I would want to advocate a recovery of thought uh, uh, and the capacity for reason and 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 a, and a way of engaging with reason rather than positions as a way of trying to actually mend these divisions and conflicts in society. Ah, that's a that's a wonderful word to end on. Nishan Demel, thank you so much for coming from the future and and giving us advice and insights uh, from the Sri Lankan context. I'm so grateful that you spent time with us here on 20 Minute Takes. Absolute pleasure, Nikki. So glad to be talking to you. Twenty Minute Takes is a production of Christians for Social Action. We're produced and edited by David DeLeon. I'm your host, Nikki Toyamasito, and the music is done by Andre Henry. You can find us on the web at christiansforsocialaction.org. Give us five stars, write a review, and share about the podcast with your friends. Mm-hmm.